you guys. Uh, praise God for uh, the work that he has been doing. Um, it's really exciting and encouraging to uh, not only be involved in the work of God in Ecuador, but to see how he's doing it um, through um, our people, to see how he's using um, the heart and the talents and the gifts that um, are lying within this congregation, and see how he's stretching and pulling and growing our people to a place of deeper maturity. Um, and that's been a blessing for, for me to see. So um, praise God. Thank you for all who, uh, obviously for all who sent, for all who went, all who will go, and for all who will continue to respond to the call of God um, in our lives. I want to spend one last uh, Sunday uh, sharing from the Psalms. And I just want to introduce this by asking, have you ever had a time in your life where you felt like your world was falling apart? Felt like your world was coming to an end. You ever feel like that before? I had a time when I was in fifth grade. Things were going pretty well for me. I was, uh, if you've ever heard some of my story, I, I talk about a time where um, in fourth grade, I was a C and D student in school. And then um, I called this prayer hotline and I asked them to pray for my grades. And after that time, the next five quarters in school, seven, uh, seven subjects, I got 34 A's and one B. This was the time. So it was uh, my fifth grade year, Herndon Elementary School. I was doing well. Um, it was about to be sixth grade. And in Virginia, seventh grade is where middle school starts. It's just two grades, seventh and eighth grade. Um, so sixth grade is not like it is here, the start of middle school. You're at the top of the heap, right? And so I was very much looking forward to sixth grade. There's a song that we used to sing. I don't know if you guys sing this in Florida. I'm not going to sing it, but I'll say the words. It says, we're in the sixth grade. This is our year. Do you know this song? This is our year, and we're going strong. And then it goes, awesome. We are totally awesome. <laughs> um, awesome. We are totally awesome. Uh, flying high, giving our all. In sixth grade, we're going to have a ball. Sixth grade is fun. In our school, we are number one. <laughs> This was great. And the, the tune was so much better. There was a fifth grade chant and there was a sixth grade song. And, and all the fifth graders knew the sixth grade song because the fifth grade chant was so bad. But I was so excited to get into sixth grade. At the end of fifth grade, I was a captain of the Eagles Eye Club, which was the most prestigious club in the playground at Herndon Elementary. I was the man in, in this club. And it was just a great time. And then my parents told me, we're moving to Reston. And all of a sudden, I was like, no, are you serious? I, right before my sixth grade year, right before the last year of elementary school, like I have to give up my position in Eagle's Eye. I have to, do all, I have to switch and, and spend one last year in elementary school in a school that is completely foreign. And I felt in that moment that everything in my life I'd built up to that point, which wasn't much, but everything I'd built up to that point had come crumbling down and crashing down. And I felt like my world was falling apart. I know this is silly, but I wonder if you've had moments in your life where you felt like everything was just coming, crashing down, and you felt like your world, everything that you knew about your world was falling apart. Um, as some has shared last year, for some of us, it was um, that trip to Ecuador. And at the end of that trip, in the aftermath of that, uh, we felt like, I felt like in a lot of ways, everything that I had known was just falling apart. And I didn't know what was going on. And you've had times like that, I'm sure, whether through a, a a bad diagnosis from a doctor or through a loved one passing away, just moments where you just feel, felt like everything is, is falling apart. Um, that was the situation described in Psalm 46. And so if you have your Bible, I want to uh, turn us there and turn our attention there and unpack a little bit of Psalm 46 to help us to see 
uh, what God's word says in those moments when, whether you're facing it now or you will one day, what do we do? Where do we go? What hope do we have? What help do we have? What comfort do we have in times of trial, in times of hardship where it feels like life is falling apart? Psalm 46, um, we're going to read the, the whole thing. This is God's word. This is for the director of music of the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is God's word. So if you see at the beginning, for the director of music, the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. Okay. So basically we're, we're finding out this is a song. It was meant to be sung. The sons of Korah were the music directors in the temple, and they would lead the people of God in song. So this is a song that we would sing somewhere at church, perhaps. It says, according to Alamoth, and at the bottom it says, uh, in my Bible, probably a musical term. Here's what it means. Most likely there was two words that it means. One means a song of maidens. That's one. The other means an Alamoth comes from the word Alma, which is a high-pitched soprano instrument. A very high-pitched, very piercing, shrill noise. And that was the instrument that you played. I don't know if you strum it or what you do with it, but it's very high, uh, high-pitched, and it is a loud, unforgettable kind of song, sound. And so basically what's going on here, Psalm 46 is a song that was meant to be sung. It was an extremely high-pitched, it was shrill, and it was meant to be that way so that you would not forget the teaching, you would not forget the meaning. Someone described it like Handel's Messiah. Very difficult to sing, but once you hear it, it is unforgettable, and it is forever, as John said, it is etched in your memory, in, your, in the ear of your mind, as something that you will not forget. And they're saying this is what it was, because Psalm 46 was so important. Now, structurally, if you look at it, there's this little word in italics at the end of verse 3, at the end of verse 7, at the end of verse 11, selah. There's uh, a little bit of uh, uncertainty as to what that means, but most likely it means this is a time for you to rest, to pause, to think, to ponder, to reflect upon what you have just read so that you might let it sink into your heart. Okay? It is to reflect and to think. And so there are three selahs in here that I think give a very good structural uh, breakdown of this psalm. So we're going to look at verses 1 through 3, 4 through 7, 8 through 11. Okay, the first thing that we see, what happens? Here's the first thing. When chaos abounds, we won't be afraid. Okay, this is what the author is saying. Check it out. Starting in, in, in verse 2. I'll read 2 and 3 and then jump back to 1. It says, therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, Okay, think about this. Get this picture in your mind. As you, this is imagery here. Uh, Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, 
Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. What picture are you getting here? Hopefully you're getting a picture of an earthquake, a tsunami, natural disasters happening. Okay, when you, when you read this, when I read this, what I think of are these doomsday end-of-the-world movies that, that were popular. It was a popular genre some years ago. Do you remember uh, there was a movie called The Day After Tomorrow? Do you guys remember this? Okay, there's this, uh, it's, I don't know exactly the premise. Basically, the, end, the world is, is ending, and New York City is getting just blown away by, um, I don't know, a tidal wave or something like that, right? And then Tokyo is getting jacked up, and L.A. is getting messed up by earthquakes and, and all of these things. That's the day after tomorrow. And it's saying, this is how the world is going to end. There's another one called Deep Impact. And the same thing, New York, this flood comes flooding through New York City. Poor New York. I don't know why New York always gets it. Either it's like floods or earthquakes or damage or King Kong or something, but New York always always gets hammered in these, in these movies. But here's New York getting messed up. Deep impact. The end of the world is coming. There's another one. It came out in 2009. It's called 2012. Uh, I haven't seen this. I actually only heard of it recently. But this movie came out because it was predicted by the ancient Mayans <laughs> that in the year 2012, the, the world was going to end. Very interesting. Uh, so we have about four months for the Mayans to prove their prediction to be true. But it came through tsunamis and earthquakes and all of these things, and then, boom, the world was going to disappear. Why? It's interesting that the psalmist is describing a, a, a similar scene. The earth gives way, right? The earthquake, mountains falling into the sea, waters roaring and foaming, mountains quaking with their surging. This is scary stuff. What's happening here? Let me take you back. Why is it that people think the end of the world is going to look like that? Because this is, this is my th- not my theory, but this is what I'm going to proposition you with here, is that at the beginning of time, it was the exact opposite. The beginning of time, there was darkness, water, uh, chaos, and then God spoke light, and then he separated the sky and the sea. Okay? Remember, it was all water, separated the sky and the sea. In the ancient world, the, the, the sea was uh, synonymous with chaos, with fear, with fright, and all these things. Separates the sky and the sea, and then he separates the sea and the land. Okay, why? So that by creating dry land, there would be a place for people like you and me to live. We're not Aquaman. We're not Aquawoman. So we can't live in the water. We're not fish. Right? So it creates dry land so that we can live separating the sea from the land. Okay, this is what God did in the beginning, and it was good. Genesis 6 rolls around. The flood comes around. What happens? These boundary markers are once again blurred, and the boundaries become smashed. Water's when God says, stop right here, waters don't stop. It just floods over and there's no dry land anymore. Okay, this is the uncreation. And if you could ask people in Noah's day, they would say that the flood was a picture of chaos. So what's happening here is that they're saying that in the beauty of creation, when it seems like everything in your world is coming to an end, That's what's being described here. When the opposite of creation is happening, uncreation, chaos, craziness is happening. When it seems like this is going on in my world, when it seems like it's the end of the world, when it seems like there's nothing left that I can do, he says, we will not fear. This is a bold declaration of faith. Can you imagine you're sitting here, in Florida, and all of a sudden, mountains are, well, we don't have mountains, but at least we have, waters begin to roar and foam, earthquake, hurricane, tsunami, all of these things are happening. In the midst of all of these things around us, the, the psalmist is saying, I will not fear. 
That's a lot of faith, isn't it? it or it's a, it's, a, it's a little bit of faith in the right place. But that's, that's faith. That's gutsy. That's like, okay, what we sing out here in the real world lived out in a place where we really need to put our faith to the test. This is big stuff here. And he's saying, in the midst of all that, I will not fear. It's interesting because in the Mesopotamian flood events, flood account in the ancient Near East, it talks about how when the flood came, the gods, the Mesopotamian gods were cowering in fear because they were afraid because they thought that the flood was going to overtake them. The psalmist is saying, our God is not shaking in fear. In fact, he stands above the storm. In fact, he stands above the flood. Father, you are king over the flood. This is what he's saying here. He says, why will we not fear? Verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. He's saying, if it feels like your world is completely falling apart, coming undone, parents are fighting, you're moving to a different place, whatever it is that's going on, even in the midst of that, you do not have to be afraid. And he says, why? Because God is our refuge. God is our strength and ever-present help in trouble. What is a, I talked about a refuge in the context of Chuck Norris. You remember this a few weeks back, but God is our refuge. He's a shelter in the midst of a storm. Um, last week on Thursday, a big, big storm. Um, I don't know if you guys felt it or if you heard the thunder, saw the lightning, or you felt the rain, but raining pretty bad on Thursday. Um, Olivia went out with some of her friends, and so I um, was going to put Manny to, to sleep that night. And so um, before we, w- we went to bed, I was going to take her out to the playground. And then it started raining and it started lightning. And, and I said, okay, we're not going to go to the playground today. And so Manny was a little bit upset. She said, no, it's not so bad. And it's like all dark and stuff. She's like, no, we can still go. But I said, no, we can't go. So I said, Let, here, we'll do something fun. We went into her room and I said, we're going to make a fort. Okay, we're going to make a fort in your room. And she had no idea what a fort was, but she was really excited because we're making something in her room. And so I brought these chairs in and I brought this, the biggest blanket that we had and I set it up and, and she was like so excited and she was like pretending that it was raining in her room. And so we're going to go underneath this fort. And, and so um, it was great. After a lot, we were arranging, rearranging, trying to make because it kept on falling down and, and all these things. I was getting tired. And so after about five minutes of this, I said, Manny, I'm going to take a nap right now. <laughs> I said, Daddy's going to go to sleep. And so I laid down, and she's like, oh, Manny's going to sleep also. And I'm like, no, because when Manny starts sleeping, then it means we're not, we're not really sleeping. She just thinks it's a game. And so in a couple seconds, she's going like, to say, wake up, wake up. So I said, no, Manny, you play. Daddy's going to sleep right now. And so I, I laid down in the fort, and I'm laying down, and she's like giggling and laughing. She thinks it's so funny because she thinks I'm play sleeping, but really I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> so she's like... She, she, she's like, Daddy, it's, it's raining, and, and she can't say thunder. So she says, dunder is dunder, dunder's out there. And so she's, my feet are sticking out because the fort is not big enough. And so she's like trying to push me in. It's like, Daddy, your feet are sticking out. Push, and she's trying to push me back under the shelter because if it's raining, she knows that the only place I'm safe is under that refuge. And so she's pushing me, and every time she pushes me one way, then my head is sticking out. She pushes my head. The shelter, the refuge was too small, and she just kept on trying to get me in. And that's what the psalmist is doing. Saying, look, there's a storm that's going to, in all of our lives, a storm is going to come. It's going to feel like your world is coming to an end. And the psalmist is trying to push us underneath the refuge. And they say, this is the only place you're going to be safe. That this is the only place you're going to be all right. He says, God is our refuge and strength. Can you imagine, where do you go when you need strength? Say, in a situation... (laughs) where 
The earth is giving way. Mountains are falling into the sea. The oceans, the waters are, are just roaring and foaming and spitting up all this stuff. Your friend is not going to be able to help you in a time like that. I'm sorry. I don't care who they are. I don't care if they're Bill. <laughs> He's not going to be able to help you in a time like that. And no matter who they are, you need a refuge. You need a strength that is higher than the storm, that is stronger than the storm, that is bigger than the storm. And the only place we can go in a time like that is God. And that's what the psalmist is saying. He's our refuge. He's our strength. And he says, an ever-present help in trouble. Saying he is a shot of immediate help the moment you need him. He will not delay in coming. He is always there for you. Immediately, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, when times of chaos come, we don't need to be afraid. And then he says, Selah, and says, stop and, and think about that for a second. Rest on that. Chew on that for just a second while I drink some water. But think about that for a second. When chaos comes, in times of chaos, we don't need to be afraid. We won't be afraid. Is that your confession of faith in Jesus Christ? The second thing that we see in verses 4 through 7 then, God's presence brings peace no matter what the situation is, okay? no matter where you are, no matter what the situation is, God's presence brings peace. Look at what it says in verse 4. It says, there is a river. Okay, all of a sudden, the river imagery, the water imagery, it's not chaotic, but it's calm. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. Okay, if you look at the, the picture he's giving is a picture of Jerusalem, the holy city. And he's saying all around us, okay, nations are in uproar, kingdoms are falling. This is, again, a picture of chaos all around. There's a battle going on. People are attacking the city. But yet in verse 4, there's a river, a calm river. Like we sing this song, I've got peace like a river. This is the kind of peace that we can have in the midst of this kind of chaos. Why? Because there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. Then it says in verse five, God is within her. She will not fall. Saying in the midst of all this chaos around, there is a peace that is constant that comes from the fact that God himself is present in that city. Did you know that wherever you go, you change the atmosphere of the place that you're entering into? Did you know this? There are some people, wherever they go, they become the life of the party, right? Let me in, let me in, let the party begin. And as soon as they get there, everyone is happy. Okay, they turn a dead party into an exciting party. There are people like that. There are people who are like Debbie Downer, right? Wherever they go, right, everyone is like, oh, we're having a great time. And then Debbie Downer walks in all of a sudden like, let's get out of here. This party stinks or this gathering stinks. As soon as they walk in, they're just talking about, oh, my gosh, why is it so ugly in here? Why is it so hot in here? How come everyone is like that? Where is everybody? This is like, and they just bring everyone's attitude down. And what are you? Did you know that wherever you go, you change the atmosphere of a situation for better or for worse? So what kind of a person are you? I saw this to be true when we went to Ecuador and our Ecuador team and just talking with people. Here's some of the things that people said. 
They said wherever James goes, okay, whether it's in a goat pen in the Amazon area, whether it's doing construction in Cabana, whether it's painting a church building in Quito, wherever James goes, people want to work harder. They want to give a little bit more effort. They want to persevere a little bit more. Okay, several people told me that. Uh, I wasn't at the goat pen, but that's what people were telling me. Wherever he goes, it makes people want to work harder. There's people like Kenny. Wherever he goes, children are laughing. Okay, whether he's holding boards, doing a Taekwondo demonstration, right, preparing it for Master Lee, whether he's doing VBS for children in Sinangwe, whether he's doing a skit somewhere in, in Quito, wherever it might be, wherever he goes, people are laughing. People are, people are excited. Alex Pack, wherever he goes, girls are screaming <laughs> and they're busting out their cameras. Right? Wherever you go, <laughs> you change the atmosphere of the place that you're in. He's saying, wherever God goes, his peace follows. Wherever God goes, his peace follows. Because God is present no matter what the situation there is a sense of peace and there is a sense of calm, right? The New Testament example is in uh, when Jesus is with his disciples on the Sea of Galilee and the perfect storm arises and all these things and, oh my gosh, the disciples are going crazy. And Jesus says, chill out, hold up, wait a minute, put a little faith in it. And they're like, oh my gosh. They realize all of a sudden, not only do they have peace, but they're in the midst of the Prince of Peace. And wherever he goes, the peace of God follows. That's why we used to sing these songs right, when we were little. With Christ in my vessel, I can smile at the storm. Do you guys remember that? Come on. This was a great song. I, I used to sing it. it was like, with Christ in my boat. Wherever I am, even though there's storms all around me, I can smile at that storm until he guides me home, right? See, that, that's straight out of the Gospels. Saying when chaos abounds and all kinds of craziness is going on around us, if Jesus is in us, we can know his peace. That's why um, our people can testify, Lisa can testify, that in the hardest moment of her life, in the darkest moment of, moment of her life, she felt the nearness of God in that place. That's why uh, three people, Jewish exiles in Babylon, could be thrown into the midst of a fiery furnace and they can, and they can walk around unharmed with smiles on their faces because there was a fantastic fourth in the furnace. And this was none other than God himself. It's why a shepherd boy can say, even though I walk through the valley of death shadow where wolves abound and marauders are and people are attacking me, I will fear no evil. Because you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That wherever we go, wherever we go, if the presence of God is with us, then we don't have to be afraid. There's peace no matter what the situation is. And here's the thing. Here's how you can know if you know this peace. Wherever you go, if you know the peace of God, if you know the prince of peace in you, then you will bring peace to whatever situation you enter into. Do people call on you in, times of, in situations of chaos? Do they ask you to help them or do they avoid you because they know that you're going to go and you're going to flip them out even more because you're going to be, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Because to the degree that we know the peace of God in our hearts, that is the degree to which we will exhibit that and demonstrate that and incarnate that to other people. Because the Prince of Peace 
This is what he says in, in, in the Corinthian letters. He says, if you know the peace of God, then you will be peacemakers for him. To the degree that we're living in intimate relationship with God and we understand that, we reflect that to other people. So again, what kind of a person are you? What value do you add or subtract to the situations that you go into? When you enter into a room, do people get anxious? Do they feel anxiety? Do they feel like, oh my gosh, things are only going to get crazier? Or do you bring a sense of the calm of God with you? Let's stop and let's reflect on that for a couple seconds before we move on to the last part. Do you know God's peace? It's that simple bumper sticker. If there is N-O Jesus in your life, then there is N-O peace in your life. If there is a K-N-O-W Jesus in your life, then you will K-N-O-W peace. You get the point. No Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. Think about that for a second. Reflect on that for a second. And then the last thing, okay, here's the last thing that we see. Your world is falling apart. God clearly reveals himself in the wake of a tragedy. God clearly reveals himself in the wake of a tragedy. For those of you who don't understand what that means, it means God clearly reveals himself after the tragedy, in the aftermath of it, when the dust has settled. Look at what it says in verse 8. It says, come and see the works of the Lord, desolation he's brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Okay, in this scene, what we're picturing here, what we're seeing here is that this is a battlefield. Okay, the war has ended and you've got the remnants of of battle. Uh, Verse 9 Bows are broken, spears are shattered, shields are burning with fire. So you've got this war is ended, but you still have the remnants of war. Okay, you have the remains of war. You've got dead bodies around. You still smell the smell of fire, the smell of blood. You hear the sounds, tanks overturned, whatever it is. That's the battlefield. And for a lot of people, their lives have just been flipped upside down. Their world has just come to an end. What do you do in the midst of that situation? Okay, what do you do in the midst of that situation? What do you do when your world has just completely fallen apart? Where do you go in that time? Where do you go when you're sitting there and you just got on the phone call that your best friend has been diagnosed with, an, with a deadly illness? What do you do in that aftermath? What do you do in the wake of that? What do you do after that funeral? You go back home. Everyone else has, has, has gone home. The visitor is no longer there, and you're sitting there in that raw emotion of what you just what you've just experienced what do you do when you find out the news that you've been you've been desperately avoiding and you hear that word whatever it is you didn't get in this school or hey um this person um god forbid somebody finds out that they're pregnant whatever the case might be your world has just come completely undone what do you do in that situation okay i think a lot of us would try, well, here's what I would probably do. If I'm looking at that battlefield scene, I'll try and do whatever I can to just start picking up the pieces, just trying to get life back together and to move on. Doing whatever I can, making phone calls, doing this, doing that. Just let's pick up the pieces and let's go forward. And God is saying in the midst of all of these things, he says in verse 10, he says, be still and know that I'm God. He's saying, stop, just stop, stop, stop everything you're doing. Freeze for a moment, just stop. Stop. 
be still. Let's chill out for a moment. This is the kind of the language where two children are fighting and the teachers tell them to freeze and to pull apart. Don't do anything. Don't move. Just stop where you are. Because God says in this place, in the wake of this tragedy, this is where I most clearly reveal myself. And the knowing comes from the stillness. And as long as we're striving and trying to put everything together and get everything done and to move forward, he says we will miss out on the revelation of God in this time and in this place for us. The first thing that God is calling us to do is just stop where we are and to acknowledge that God's presence is with us. And to not try and figure it all out, to not do all of these things, but just, but to, just to be still. And I believe that a lot of these testimonies that are coming out from Ecuador are pictures, are evidence of how God is clearly revealing himself in the midst of these things where we had no other option to go to. Literally, there was no human being that we could go to to try and figure things out. The only thing we could do was just, let's just stop and let's just pray, let's worship, let's trust, let's seek, let's cling. And in those moments, God just began to clearly reveal not only himself, but his next steps for us individually, as well as a congregation. I think so many times, man, we're just trying to cover it all up and trying to fix it and make it all right and and say, what can I do in order to, to alleviate the pain of this mess? And we just try and move on. And God's saying, stop, don't do that. Because as long as you're trying to figure it out, you're not going to be able to see the one who has already figured it all out. That these things were not an accident in the eyes of God and in the plan of God. It was not a tragedy. It was not a, 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 a misfortune. You think just stop. And what we see a year and seven days now removed from it is nothing close to the picture that we will see in five years, in 10 years. But what we're seeing now is a whole lot more than we saw August 6th of last year. And that picture is continually being unfolded in our lives. And this is a paradigm for every time when we feel like everything in our lives is falling apart. God says, just stop. Don't try and figure it all out. Don't try and deal with it and move on. Just stop. Experience the peace of God. Experience his comfort. And then and only then, as you know his peace, can you move forward in continuing in the path that God has called us to. But when we're frantically trying to put it all together, I remember this one time there, my, my professor was on an airplane and someone got a heart attack and people were just frantic. They were going ballistic. Doctor came, person passed away. They had to land the plane, took the person off. And my professor said, hey, if anyone here needs prayer, I'm, I'm available. I'm a pastor. He said, no, we've got it all taken care of. We're giving free drinks to everybody in the cabin, free alcohol. And that's one way to deal with it without really dealing with it. That'll cover it up, but it's going to come back to you. You just stop trying to figure it all out for a second. Just stop in the midst of when your world is falling apart, it's because this world is too big for you to figure out. When your world is falling apart, it's because you're not strong enough to put it back together. Just stop. And just be still. 
and know that he is God. And it's not you and it's not me and it's not your friends. It's him alone. So as we pause for a moment to chew on that, to reflect on that. That we're reminded that at the cross, it was for many people the end of their world. When just everything that they, they knew just came crumbling down and came crashing down. In fact, it says at that point, darkness fell. There was an earthquake. All of these things being played out again. And disciples were running around trying to figure out oh, what we wouldn't do, but it was to those who were still. It was to those who were, who were just still in the presence of God. That they could see that the one who hung on the cross, hung in death, was the author of life, the overcomer of death. That he was the one who, like the centurion, in the stillness of that place, said, surely this man was the son of God. And we can trust God in those moments where everything seems to be falling apart, everything seems to be falling into the depths of the sea. God says, be still. Can you trust? Can you trust? My goodness, my wisdom, my power, my strength. Because if we can, then we'll see. We'll know that he's God. Let's pray. Hey, I know some of us here are going through some hardships and going through some times in our lives where it just feels like everything that I know is just coming undone right now. Where that image and that vision of a perfect life, of a perfect family, of a perfect future, of a perfect present. These things are beginning to to fall apart. We're not blessed as a people of God because we hear something. We're blessed because we live in obedience to it. How is God calling us to respond today in the midst of the situations in your life where everything just seems to be falling apart? where your world seems to be crumbling and just feel like everything good is just coming undone. Where do I go? You've been going to your friends and things don't change. You've even been going to teachers, pastors, and things don't change. God's saying, just, hey, be still. You don't need to fear. You don't need to to be anxious, but you also don't need to strive. Just be still. And in the quiet of this place, let's just express our trust in our Lord Jesus Christ. Say, God, I may not have all the answers. And truthfully, that's not what I really need. I don't need intellectual arguments for why this is happening. I need you. I need your presence. I need your help. I need your hope. I need your embrace. That's what I need. And so in the quiet of this place, just between you and God, just confess that to the Lord. God, I need you. I'm sorry for moving to other places, doing things, covering it up. I need you. You are sovereign over the storm, over the flood, bigger than all of these things. You're the only one who can help me. I need you. Let's move towards him. And for those of us who maybe your world is is all as it should be right now, praise God for that.
Let's pray for those who are in need. Pray for those who are struggling. Pray for those who are having a hard time. And let's pray also for ourselves. God, when hardship comes my way, help me to stand firm. Help me to stand ground. Help me to be still and know that you are God. Let's spend a minute or two right now just praying in the quiet of our hearts. Just praying for either yourself or for other people. Let's pray for a moment and then I'll close us in prayer. Pray. Jesus, Jesus, we need you, Lord God. Father, I pray for these situations in our lives where people are hurting and people are struggling. God, that you would come and you would touch them, Lord God, and that you would move in the people, Lord God, that you would move in these families, Lord God, that you would move in these situations, Lord God, that you move in the lives of people, Lord God. Lord God, that you would touch them, Lord God. Lord God, Lord God, Jesus, I pray, Father, for the grace and grace of all of us. Father in heaven, I thank you. I thank you so much that when people that when people tell us that the Bible is outdated, that it is irrelevant to our situation, that it has no bearing on the way that we live life. Thank you that you remind us that truth is truth and it will always be practical and it will always be relevant and it will always work because it's true. Thank you that in the midst of the storms and the quakes and the shaking that we go through in life, because you are our God and you are with us and you are for us, we do not need to be afraid. We do not need to crumble into an anxious mess. that we can trust in you and find hope and strength. Even so, Father, we confess that in this fallen world, we struggle with doubt and with depression and with anxiety. And and for some, God, these will remain with us for a long time. Even in the midst of that, we pray that you would help us to do what you have called us to do, to live in obedience to you, to trust in you, to hope in you. And in so doing, would you grant us an increasing measure of your peace and of your hope in our lives. We thank you so much that you are near to the brokenhearted, that you are near to those who feel like they're all alone. Thank you that you will never leave us nor forsake us and that with your presence comes the peace of God. We thank you so much. We love you. We give our hearts to you and trust. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.